Welcome inside the Celtics Life Podcast. I'm Mark Allison here with Justin Quinn. And for the offseason, we're changing things up while the NBA shuts down for the summer. We're going to cover the week's big events and whatever basketball-related action we could find that might impact the Celtics, since we know that's why we're all here. Things might get a little weird with all of us in basketball withdrawal, but we know you're going through it too. But between free agency, the draft, summer league, training camp, we'll have at least a pod a week, and uh, you know we'll we'll keep it rolling for you guys. So today we are going to discuss the possible Celtics returning, leaving. Justin, what's going on, man? Same old, same old. So, uh, so yeah, so um, guys, that we're we're looking into next season, we're looking at who might be coming back, who might be leaving. Obviously, some guys are under contract, some guys aren't. Little uncertainty with guys, trades, deals. What's going to happen? We're looking at guys that that we could probably, we can almost definitely slate in for next year. And um, it it would seem that Isaiah, Big Al, and Jalen are probably the three locks that will definitely be back next year. I wouldn't even say that they're locks. A lot really depends on the moves that are made. Obviously, trading someone like one of those three is going to be pretty difficult to do. But at this point in time, I mean, Danny traded away the big three in ruthless fashion, and we're reaping the benefits of it now. It'll be painful if any kind of trade like that comes down the pike. But it's not going to happen, I think, unless we're going to get a good return out of it. So, Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't think, of, you know, big names come up and, and things could happen, but... I would say, I would say for the most part, I think we could pretty safe to say that those guys are coming back next year. And uh, with Al being under contract for several more years, Jalen obviously as well, and then obviously it is going into a contract year. But I just I'm not sure of what a return they would get for him, and even if it makes any sense to deal him anyways. Honestly, only somebody of the stature of an Anthony Davis or a Carl Anthony Towns, a player like that stature. Without any chance of involving those guys, there's some other guys who are more likely to not be on the roster next year. Avery and Jay Crowder are two very enticing players who, at least in the case of Bradley, are going to be a headache in terms of cap space when it comes time after after the next season to, to think about renegotiating his very disproportionate to his production value deal. Marcus Smart is another guy who is probable to be on the roster. And then there's guys like Kelly Olynyk, Tyler Zeller, Terry Rozier, Jordan Mickey, James Young, Gerald Green, Jonas Jerebko. All those guys, you know, Demetrius Jackson, they are very unlikely to unlikely to return. Though some of the younger guys might end up coming back just because of how young they are, and there's still some promise in some of them. But let's let's go through these these different potential, I guess you could say, tiers of Celtics players, and try to make a case for each of them. Isaiah Thomas, what kind of a situation? Well, first of all, what what do you think is it is the strongest argument for keeping Isaiah Thomas? This isn't going to be too hard for these first three guys. Well, see, my thing with with Isaiah is that he fits. In the fact that what we're gonna we're, we have these young guys, we have a Jalen Brown potentially, a Markel Fultz coming this year, and potentially another young guy next year. Where where we have Al already under contract, a, a near max deal, we have room to sign Isaiah to that same you know kind of contract. We you know might be able to get him at slightly below his market value just because the teams that are going to be contending teams that could afford to pay him that contract, maybe don't have that. They're not going to have that kind of financial flexibility. So is he really going to leave for an Orlando or, um, you know, whatever, Sacramento? He's obviously not going back there. Um, He could stay here. If he signs a three-year deal, four-year deal after next year, well, I mean, if we can take in, if we can somehow get another max-level guy, you're looking at Al, IT, Gordon Hayward, whatever. Plug him in. and. While we have those three guys at those contracts, then you're working with the three young players turning into stars. I, I think you could get a crossover in between those seasons where you have three really talented young guys and three really talented veteran guys. And then you, you could somehow, you know, obviously those guys are going to need big deals eventually, but there could be a bridge there where you have some r- a really big amount of talent on the team. 
There's also the potentiality of a, a very large tax bill to be paying, and there is a very strong argument to be made that we're not going to be interested in paying repeater tax bills for a squad that can't get past Cleveland and definitely can't get past the Warriors. I'm not going to go out on a limb and say that we can really predict the future as to whether or not those teams are going to be competitive on the level that they are this season. In the future, all kinds of things can happen. And as ridiculous as it sounds now, if I told people that the Golden State Warriors were going to sign Kevin Durant two seasons ago, then they'd probably laugh at me. That said, you know, the the usual narrative on IT, his defense, his size, I I don't care about that. Um, I do care about his durability long term. But the way that this team looks like it's coming together, unless we have some serious misfires in the draft with either Jalen or presumably Markel Fultz or whatever ends up happening, then in that situation, I could see it being more of a problem. But at this point in time, when you, when you, when you, when you get basically found money in the level of talent that they found in Isaiah, I don't, I don't see there's, as we said, as we started out with, there's a very limited amount of situations or make any sense at all, in my opinion. But Al Horford has been critiqued by some members of the fan base who apologies. If you're listening, I think you're dumb. (laughs) There, there were some, there was a comment by Adam Himmelsbach, I think I'm saying his last name correctly, who noted that very, very few, I think like two or three players in the last 10 to 20 years have put up the same kind of production across the stat sheet in terms of assists, in terms of rebounds, in terms of shooting, in terms of defense. So He's in some very rare company. I could see some people worried about the aging of his game. But personally, when you have a player, I mean, he's the biggest free agent signing we've had in decades. And I mean, of course, we haven't had cap space to do that, which has been something of a luxury apart from the the mid-90s to be in in the first place. But do you see any reason, like realistic reason why we wouldn't? want to keep Alan Dima, how we, why we would want to trade someone like him away? No, I don't. And I, I think it's silly that I, I just, he, the guy does everything, you know, I mean, he, he's not gonna, he doesn't score 30 points a game. He doesn't pull down 15 boards, but I mean, he, he is a five, five tool player. He's just a, a, he is a definite like building piece that you, you want to build around. I don't personally see the trouble with the years part of the narrative around moving him. For the most part to me, that has been something that I think people don't necessarily think about the fact that at the end of his contract, in the last year to two years of his contract, we can stretch it and it'll it'll be a hit. But there's going to be a cap donut, I guess is the word I want to use for it. There's there's going to be some room in terms of, of what to do with a potential bad contract just before Jalen and Markel Fultz are due for extensions. So in my mind, if you have to, if you absolutely have to, then you stretch them and, you know, you might end up taking a step back while those guys dive into the first part of their extensions. But by the time they come around, I think you'll have you'll have the time and space to, to make do. So I don't really see that being such a huge problem. Jalen Brown, however... Jalen Brown is very, very talented already and is one of the more enticing potential trade targets that other teams are going to be asking for. Can you think of any particular good reasons where they might? I I can't. I mean, when people throwing around names like Anthony Davis and stuff, that's not, I don't even think that's realistic at all in the amount it's been talked about. But, and and like you were saying with Horford, the way that Jalen Brown lines up, Horford has what, three years left on his deal? So through uh, 1920, right? I mean, that, that's, that's how, as long as we have Jalen under contract too. So, I mean, it, I think it just works out perfectly where these guys are going to end up coming up. Like Al Horford's going to be 34 years old coming off his deal and we're going to have to re-up Jalen Brown at that time. It, it almost lines up perfectly to, me, to have them both on the team. And we're going to have Jalen at, you know, six and a half million in, in that final year. Makes too much sense. That was easy. Now to get to the harder arguments. Yeah, these are a little more difficult. Avery Bradley, there's been a fair amount of discussion floating around the Celtics media sphere about both his potential value to other teams and the problem he's going to create in terms of, as we've been probably talking about too much already, salary cap concerns in the near future. 
to me, he seems like the most likely person to end up getting moved in a deal. And it seems to me that a lot of people are warming up to the idea of moving him, even if they are not happy with the idea of moving him. Yeah, I, I think I think the reason why he's movable, and he, we, even though he's on an expiring deal, he is a commodity when you have a team like Golden State where you, you need a guy. <laughs> like an Avery Bradley is such a, a vital tool now. I mean, there's going to be a lot of interest in his ability, to, you know, being one of the best on-ball, if not the best on-ball defender in the league. However, there is also, and this has been pointed out by some of our peers, that he is a dedicated two-man, and he's a short one at that. Granted, he defends... And he's a heck of a rebounder. Yeah, he defends and rebounds way outside of his, his you know, stature. But a combined front court, or excuse me, a combined back court of, of Avery and Isaiah, it is something of a problem in terms of coverage. Not necessarily so much Avery, but in terms of switching, you, you don't, you don't have a guy that can switch on to a larger player. And, you know, Bradley, there, there's an argument there. I don't know how much I buy it, but I, I can see it. There's plenty of good things that he's been doing in terms of improving his game every year that make excellent arguments for keeping him. But the financial situation, I think, is going to be a problem. Right. So, I mean, if, if the Celtics, especially if a Hayward comes to town, Avery's is going to be the odd man out for that reason alone. And similar to Jalen, Jay Crowder, his positional versatility, being able to guard, you know, down to two and up to four and able to play the four on offense, at least some of the time. I think that combined with the years on his, on his deal being so long. Yes. I mean, he's not, he's, <laughs> Like people, when I, when I rave about Jay Crowder, it's not because I think that he is a potential all-star. I don't think that's out of reach necessarily if he, no. he improves his shooting. But even, even if this is peak Jay and we just get a couple more years at around this production level, he's still one of the more valuable players yeah. between his defense and his potential offense. He doesn't have it more than say one every, one out of every four or five games where he's just like, you know, mm-hmm. fire. Even still, between that and the defense, he's such a valuable player on that kind of money. He may be one of the prime targets that people are are trying to scoop up, potentially, particularly with the salary cap situation being what it is after the TV money spike. Mm -hmm. A lot of teams who might be looking to unload a talented player and make some room, he's someone they might want. So that's that's why I look at him as a likely – well, both of them really, Avery and Jay – as likely players to be on the Celtics, but not necessarily definite. Right. Then there's Smart. It, this is intriguing because uh, I think this has a lot to do with what would happen with Avery. Uh, my thinking is that Smart would be easier to keep under the cap next year. I mean, I'm not sure exactly what either one of those guys are going to make, and I guess it would depend a lot on how Smart's offensive game, if it improves next year. But well, what do you think? his numbers would look like at the end of next season? Like what, what kind of money is he going to make? Honestly, on the open market, I think that he is looking at 12 to 15. His defense is, is sorely underappreciated. And I think ironically enough, things like flopping and which he doesn't do very much anymore. No, he's he's definitely right. He's very far from the worst in the league. Yeah. And his shooting, you know, everybody is completely alert to his shooting at this point, and it's really depressed his value. I mean, I think he was the sixth pick overall in his draft year, and he is – I've heard uh, estimates from fairly knowledgeable people that he is late lottery to um, middle to late non-lottery first in, in terms of, like, what he would bring back in trade value, mm-hmm. which – to me, I would rather just sign him for that kind of money if I had to. Right. Once his contract expires, I think that him depressing his trade value could almost work out in our favor long term. But if someone was looking for, you know, a defensive stalwart and was willing to part with him, I would be, I would be perfectly fine with letting him go in a trade this season before the deadline just to, to make room to, to resign Bradley. Mm-hmm. But I think that I think that Bradley is, is probably. I, I think he's going to land out of our price range. Yeah. It's a, yeah. But I th- I think it's definitely more. There's a better shot of him fitting with financially. You know, I think you could get him on a like you said somewhere in the ten to twelve million range. Probably 
maybe three years, 30, 36 million or something like that. And then he would be betting on himself for a bigger deal. You know, what, what is he now? 22, 23? I think he's 23. Yeah. So, I mean, he'd be 26, ideally into his prime coming off of a deal. I don't, that's my, my thinking. This leaves us with the players who are probably not going to be here next year, chief of which, in terms of interest, and probably, arguably, talent, I think at the top of the list are Kelly and Terry. Mm-hmm. So give me give me your case for keeping both. Well, I, I think, Rosier, if Fultz is drafted, something is going to have to happen uh, ahead of him. You're not going to go into next year with four point guards. So that all need to play. They're all, you know, obviously IT is going to play, but the other three young guys are still all, will all be developing. They're, it makes no sense. And we, we even with uh, Jackson too, they're going to have to move a point guard. My thinking was maybe you could move a package deal of say Avery and Rogier, get yourself the best draft pick you can get back. Or, you know, obviously there have to be some players in there too. I, I like Terry because I think he's, a guy that does everything. He's uh, Olenek, on the other hand, probably the most frustrating player on the team to me because we see what he can do from time to time. And um, I, I just, I wouldn't be so sad to see him go. I don't know. I don't know. I could live with Olenek moving on. I think that he probably is going to move on. I really do think that, I mean, we've already seen evidence that, that Orlando is targeting him, unless, of course, that whiteboard incident is... That's right. It's a whiteboard. But alternatively, we are a mess in the front court, aside from, from Al, in terms of long-term solutions. Our best options under contract are guys who really are better suited for playing the two and three, in terms of Jay and Jalen. Mm-hmm. Jerebko, he might come back depending on what kind of money and whether or not they want to use either the biannual or mid-level exception to pay him. I think that, uh, I think that Jarebko is going to get more money than, than the biannual. So I don't think that's really realistic for him. And he probably will get more money than the eight-ish million he would get from the mid-level. So I think he's probably gone too. And that leaves us with some serious untested options for the front court. In Zizek and Yabusele. Mm-hmm. Yabusele is getting an operation. Probably, you know, Bonesburs, it's a minor operation, but it might take him some time to get into game form. He's going to be, he's going to be ready, you know, to play by the time the season starts, but that doesn't mean he's going to necessarily be in shape. It's a lot easier to stay in shape when it's, you know, like your arm that's hurt, right. or your shoulder that's hurt than, you know, your legs. Right. Possible, but hard. So depending on, on how the free agency thing ends up working out, I could see Kelly ending up coming back. If he does something similar to like what Jay Crowder did, signs something from Boston for, you know, kind of like a poison pill offer ends up coming in. I, that, I, I could see that happening. Um, there's, I, I'm not against kicking the tires on possibly some other options out there. Oh, me neither. Me neither. No. I mean, I've been thinking about getting Zebo on the Celtics for a season just to see, see what happens with him. And there's some other guys out there too. Terry, I would really like to see stick with the team just because I think there's a greater chance he will become a much better, let me say that again, a more well-rounded player than Marcus Smart. But he is definitely also a more volatile player. And I can't believe I'm saying this, but based on what I saw in the playoff, I'm a little, I'm a little nervous about him being able to keep his head on straight in high-pressure situations, which he's going to experience a lot of in the next couple of seasons if he stays with the Celtics. Right. I, I don't I don't want a Brandon Jennings on our team. Right, right. No, and and that's understandable. And not only that, he's uh, got a little case of the yips around the basket, although he's a little better as the year went along, but he uh, struggled quite a bit finishing. And but he seems to, he seems to have a, a penchant for the moment, though. I mean, he hit some big shots. I, I like yeah. that. I mean, and Smart does too, but it- in terms of some of the other guys who are pretty questionable, Gerald Green, I think he's got a great, you know, and this is this is the most tired trope maybe in the entire NBA, but it's valuable. The locker room presence, mm-hmm. he's got it. He he is morphed 
into, you know, the calm head in the room, which is just the weirdest thing for those of us who remember his earlier incarnation. <laughs> and I, I could see him coming back for something like the biannual to vet minimum also. But I mean, right. And he fits into that role pretty well. The guy, the guy, he was sitting towards the end of the bench and when he would get opportunities, I mean, he came through more often than not. So. He, he, can, he can sit for a week, two weeks, and still come in and no play as a professional. Yeah. You know? do, you, do you think that there's someone out there who might end up might end up giving him a, a bigger offer, which is really anything bigger than like three-ish million dollars? Yeah, I mean, well, it's possible. There's teams like a team like uh, Orlando. I mean, what do you have to lose? This guy can play some minutes, you know? And, he, and he'd be a good good presence around some younger guys, you know? Maybe, maybe a Philadelphia I don't know what their cap situation looks like, but some teams that need a, you know, a, a guy that was that young with all these young guys coming out, he was that guy. And he, you know, like you said, would be a great presence around him. So that leaves us with our resident enforcer, Jonas Jerebko. Double J. What do you think about him? Any odds of him coming back? I think he's more likely to come back than Kelly, personally. Only I because... Only I don't be- disagree. Right, because just because of the contract and the numbers. And to be honest with you, he's consistent. He may not be as dynamic as Kelly, but I don't see that big of a drop-off. It's not like Kelly was putting up 20 points a night. You will always get rotation-level play out of him, and right. sometimes you will get a lot more. Yeah, and, and, and when you got the younger guys, you have Zizic and you have Yabuselli, and you do want to see what they can do. They're going to get some run next year. But to have a guy like that that you know you can go to and say, oh, I can throw him out there for 20 minutes, you know? And I don't expect either of those two guys, the, 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 the stash guys, Yabuselli and Zizic, to be any better than Jonas Jurebko their first season. Right, right. But but that's what I'm saying. Like, that there's there, you have him there. You have these other guys. You'll be able to spread some minutes around. But you know you have him. Um, I'm sure they're going to bring in some other – there's, there's going to be some more bodies in there, obviously, with the aforementioned – I mean, Zeller – Toast, I'm sure. It would be interesting to see if Jordan Mickey gets any run next year. Yeah. Zeller is toast. There's just no space for him in the NBA, particularly at the salary he's he's going to be guaranteed if we Mm -hmm. keep him for $8 million. It's not like two years ago, he'd be worth that and more based on what he can do. It's not that Tyler Zeller is a bad player. He's just a archaic player at this point. Yeah, it's just the the way the game's evolved and it's He's, he, yeah, you're right. <laughs> Ten years ago, he would have been uh, a, a hot commodity. If he could, Even less than that. If he could shoot the damn ball from anywhere away from the basket. Yeah, I mean, if if, if, if at least he could shoot like a mid range jumper consistently. I I think this first year here, we saw him shoot that a little bit more, and, mm-hmm. and then he just kind of got away from that. Yeah, I don't know what happened, but it's a shame because I like Tyler. He always comes out and plays hard. He's just he's just a total mismatch for for the modern game. Right. What about the Youngins? Jordan, DJ, and DJ James, and, and James Young. I, well, I, I still here's my thing. I would have loved to have seen. I, I would think that Jordan Mickey would at some point get some run, but the fact that he didn't get on the court this year when they had so much trouble rebounding the basketball, and that's what he's really good at was kind of struck me. What, what do you think of that? I mean, I know he's a young guy, but at the same time, when we were really struggling in the middle of the year and they never went to him for an extended period. I mean, he, there was one game where he got a start in there, but I think he only played like eight minutes in that game. He, so, can't, he can't stick to his man. His defense is, is terrible. Is that what it is? I mean, that's, that's, that's what it is? Well, that is what sticks in my mind. Defensive lapses that get him taken out. Mm-hmm. Every time I, I remember him getting any... And I've seen a few too, I, so I know what you're talking about. But I, yeah. I just don't know if he's gotten enough extended run to be able to say that. He has not had any problem offensively putting up, you know, roughly what he should in terms of the minutes he's played in, you know, the regular season in the playoffs. When he plays in the D League, he has no trouble scoring. He puts up pretty gaudy numbers at times. Yes, he looks pretty dominant when he plays down there. Yeah. So for me. You know, I don't have any kind of direct line to the coaching staff's way of thinking, but the the things that stick out is when he does get a chance, it's he 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 lets it. You know, he shoots his shot, 
But he also misses his guy and gets scored on and can't do that. I just think he's good shot blocker, good rebounder. He can shoot from the outside. I, I just really, I wish they would have given him a little more run this year. Uh, I, I hope he's on the roster next year and we get to see him a little more, but I'm not sure that he would. I mean, with the other guys coming over and who knows who else is going to be on the roster, you know? Well, thankfully, we have the new two-way contracts coming into effect, so that should help take the pressure off a little yeah, bit. Yeah, definitely, for sure. Of the three guys, I think he's got about those three young guys we just mentioned, uh, Jordan, DJ, and James. I think mm. he is probably slightly less likely to return than James Young. Really? Yeah, just because, you know, other people might throw him more money than, than we would if we have you know, roster space and money to throw him. Mm-hmm. If we do, he, you know, he's been competent in the playoffs sometimes even. Right. And, and well, another guy didn't really get a lot of run either. So it, it's hard to say really, but you're right though. Yeah, he did. And that, that's got to mean that they at least trust him on the court a little bit. Right. So without, without belaboring a point on someone who's almost certainly gone, I actually think, he's got a slightly better chance at sticking with the Celtics next season than anyone else. I remember when we had the the big debate about whether it should be him or RJ Hunter. And I I really do feel at this point that they made the right decision as much as it sucks. Yeah. I mean, Hunter's, I mean, James is a little more dynamic of a player. Hunter's a good shooter, but I, I think James Young, there's a lot more upside you know, there in that department. DJ, I have not seen much of him at all. I know you saw some Red Claws games this season. He was a beast also in playing for Maine. And yet I think that he's got a tough shot sticking around because of the position that he plays and the log jam that's going to be in front of him. Uh, I suppose if they were to make a deal and move, um, say, a, Terry and Avery or, or whatever, Terry and somebody else or Marcus Smart and somebody else, I, I think then maybe he gets a shot as the, uh, you know, third, fourth point guard. But other than that, it's going to be tough for him to stick around. You probably noticed that one player has not been mentioned. Amir, you think there's any chance at all we bring him back? Negative. And that's none. nothing, not, not knock on Amir. I mean, but we saw <laughs> what happened to those knees, ankles, whatever it was. I mean, he was ankles, moving. I think. Yeah, uh, he was in rough shape at the end of the year, the playoffs. I mean, we saw him get abused in that Bulls series and then didn't even, I mean, he didn't even play the rest of the series. I think he is another candidate for... An exception. I think that honestly, the most he's really worth at this point. And again, this is no, no criticism of his effort or dedication or even, you know, occasional five minutes, five minute explosions of the Amir of old. He's just not worth more than the biannual, which is projected to be about 3.3 million exception down to the vet minimum. I don't think there's any chance they bring him back except for maybe, you know. If it's on one of those kind of deals, yeah, I I would agree with that. I'm just not a fan of, especially when you have a team that's built for the playoffs. We have a team that we expect to make a deep run, and you just know that even if he started the year and he was feeling healthy by the end of the season, you're not, what are you going to be getting out of him, right? Maybe a shot that takes... This long? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I knew you were doing that as soon as you started doing it. That's great. Yeah, I mean. You go in most of the time, so. Yeah, I mean, he was pretty yeah. accurate. What did he shoot, like 38%, something like that? Somewhere around there. It was close he was to four. One of the better, he was one of the better shooters on the team, as rare as he shot. Right. Which, I, mean, I, I should bring up, generated from one of his ardent Celtics Life fans an ode. By Topher Lane. Dare I speak it? I think you should do it. All right. Here comes my dramatic reading. Bear with me. Overpaid, we cry as we watch on TV. The goofy, high-topped, smiley sea. Fans would grumble angrily when he'd line up a tray. Even if he'd hit it after a moment's 
delay. Sure, his missed hooks made us turn to our beer, but the groans and the moans are the ode to Amir. He set for four games in the very first round and still cheered louder than the kids on a playground. And when he took to the floor during the regular season, he played harder than anyone, for no discernible reason. His layouts and dives made up his C's career, which is why we are writing an ode to Amir. Maybe he's likely the worst on the team, but the dude played as hard as a legend Kareem. And while we're not going to resign him at the start of July, at least some will be here with a wholesome goodbye. You've earned that at least, dude, for your adequate year. May all of us remember the ode to Amir. Shout out to Basketball Ref for all the stats in this poem. Nice. Very nice. Yeah, that was awesome, man. I, I love that. Shout out to Tilfer. That was really cool. Absolutely. So, with people like Amir being gone, that stands to reason that we're going to need some new players. That would be the case, yeah. Now, obviously, we have some draft guys coming in, but we should also maybe spend a little bit of time, more so than on the last podcast, talking about some of the potential additions. So let's start with the bottom of the list, which is really at the top of the list. But in terms of players we think out there who could be added in the right situation that aren't necessarily – or do you think maybe we should start at the top, seeing as – some of those smaller guys aren't going to be having any chance of joining that smaller, like in terms of stature, but in terms of potential money and contribution. Maybe we should right, start right. at the top, do you think? Sure. Okay. Gordon Hayward. A1 choice um, it, because, you know, regardless from adding, we need to add a score. I think this guy is, is a perfect opportunity. And like we were talking about before, Gordon Hayward on a max deal would fit in just nicely. With uh, over the next few years, while we wait for the uh, youngins to develop, and and maybe maybe he's enough to uh, challenge Cleveland next year. What do you think? I don't think it's going to be enough to challenge Cleveland next year, unless unless they have a defection. Which you know, I mean, they have people like Jefferson who might not come back. If Jefferson doesn't win a game against the Warriors, do you really see his thirty-seven-year-old ass coming back for another beatdown season? Yeah, I don't know. No, no, probably not. I, I did. I can't even believe Richard Jefferson still plays. I can't either. But he's pretty competent for his age. I mean, pretty competent <laughs> in general. Sixty. Sixty. Thirty-seven. Yeah. No, I know. Um. Yeah. No. No. But I honestly think if if we added a Hayward, let's let's say we got him, we draft Fultz, right? How, obviously, this hinges a lot on how quickly Fultz develops. Some people think that he's going to be able to score pretty at a pretty high clip at the NBA level right off the rip. Obviously, there'd be some other movement going around. I mean, if we lost Avery or, or whatever it was, the you think about it, we would be a team it, with, with a core of IT, Hayward, and Horford. We're going to be a team like the Cavs, like the Warriors, who are going to be attracting those guys, on those veteran players on short-term deals for low money that want an opportunity because that right there, that core – it could be enough to beat Cleveland. It's I, I know it sounds it crazy, but it certainly could. I don't think could. it sounds crazy. I just think it sounds unlikely. No, I no, and I understand that. But the but if uh, those guys, a couple extra pieces, and there's a few names on this list that might fit the bill. Um, I, I just think that that's we would be a Hayward addition puts us like on track to compete now, and you know. I mean, then you never know what's going to happen. You never exactly. You can't, I, I just, I don't. Some people, some people come with this, right? Some people come in with the defeatist mentality of it's like, who, who's going to beat Golden State and who's going to beat this? And it's, you well, know, why am you, I going to watch the NBA for exactly. three years? Which is another, which is entirely other discussion, but, but exactly. My point exactly. Well, my answer would be because there's not going to be any better basketball to watch, but. Right. <laughs> well, but, uh, as much so, as yeah. I'm critical of Hayward being able to get us past a healthy Cleveland Cavaliers team more or less similar to what we saw this year, I, I, I think in 22 times out of 10, you still sign Gordon Hayward. Right. Griffin, of the Blake variety, on the other hand, there's some pretty good arguments to not sign him. Got any? 
Well, it, it, the injuries have become – I mean, we were talking about this a couple weeks ago. I think it was Topher and I on the podcast, and yep. he's he's just – he just seems – he's – Seems gets hurt every every year. He gets hurt at inopportune times. And aside from that, I I thought I didn't realize he was he I I didn't think he would be a good fit for Steven's system at first. But looking into it a little better, he's an excellent passer. Um, yep. obviously it adds the 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 rebounding, and he's you know he can score the basketball. He can shoot from what eighteen feet. But um, the in certain situations too, he's got. He's got some utility in that regard. It would kind of like being having like having Horford A and Horford B. Right. That's, that's what I was They're both great passers. Um, obviously, Horford's a better defender, but Blake's a pretty good shot blocker, um, a little more athletic. But the, the injury thing's a big concern. You're going to sign a guy, what it's going to cost to sign him. He seems to get hurt every year. I don't know. What do you think? I would take a gamble on him as long as we either got a team option on the last of the four years, so that way we wouldn't have to worry about stretching him more than one or two years, mm-hmm. and or a structured deal where he has an earlier player option with most of the money up in front, like complete full max all the way for the first two years, say, with mm-hmm. him having with him having a player option in the second year, so that way he has a nice escape parachute. Down himself, sure. Yeah. Yeah. So so if he feels like he can, you know, if he wants to put himself in a situation to renegotiate and get the max, the full max again, I'm fine with that. For a com a, a full max, a complete max for the full four years, I'm not into it. Yeah, no, I'm I'm not inclined either. What about Paul Millsap? Millsap's interesting. Personally, though, he played with Horford in Atlanta. Maybe they didn't have quite the dynamic score like Isaiah with them, but they didn't make it past the second round of the playoffs. I'm not really sure that that's a front line that you build around. What do you think? The argument that the main obstacle for Boston, the Cleveland Cavaliers, they haven't had any success in Atlanta with a Horford-Millsap front court. And that's true, but I mean... Also, apart from their starters, they really didn't have the same kind of depth that the Celtics will have next season. Mm-hmm. So I think maybe we steal another game and get beat down not quite so hard. Right. I mean, I just yeah. I don't see the long term appeal. It it might make them a better team next year, but exactly, uh, and every, I wouldn't want to sign Paul Millsap for three four years. And he's so what thirty one. How old is Paul Millsap? Ooh, no, I think he's older than that. I think he's 32. You're right. I think he's 32 or 33, right? Yep. He's he's older than Horford. So, yeah, that's a – I mean, if you could get him on a one-year max deal, sure, sign him up. But other than that, I don't, you know. Yeah, I think someone will give him money more, longer, and of course. Someone definitely will, if if not Atlanta, you know. And that leaves us with Danilo Gallinari for maybe the last of the the people I think – would have any chance at getting even a one-year max in Boston. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Um, not not a huge Gallinari fan. Uh, I, I think offensively he adds a little firepower, but I don't think he's the dynamic kind of scorer that we need. What do you think? I think he can be a pretty dynamic scorer on some nights and a, a fairly consistent scorer in general. Certainly, yeah. But, Certainly, he is a consistent, and he's a great shooter. But he's a negative defender, and how do you field him and Isaiah at the same time? Right, with, yeah, that's you know, definitely a, yeah, two voids. Keep him on the court with, with so many young guys. I mean, like, probably the the narrative about Fultz's defense is a little overblown, but it's, you know, he's going to be young, and he's going to make a lot of mistakes for the first couple mm-hmm. of years. And, you know, we saw some... Mistakes out of Jalen, who's going to be seeing more time. I, I would not be into it even really for one year. Maybe I could deal with one. Like, I would suck it up and deal with it. If we knew that Isaiah Thomas was not going to be moving anywhere and was going to stick around and would renegotiate at the end of his contract for his mm-hmm. deal, giving us even more time. But, I mean, there's so many ifs in the sentence that I, I just – yeah. yeah. Well, the other thing too is he's coming in. He generally is a small forward, stretch four. Like 
it, you know, you already have Crowder who plays almost the same exact positions and, and, and Jalen, I don't know. It just seems like a unnecessary. Yeah. And I think you could get Omri Caspi, who's like 70% of the, the things that Gallinari does well. A poor man's <laughs> rate for sure. <laughs> yeah. I, I think, I think that. No, but I, I, I agree. Something like him. There's some you don't guys need to get that, him the max contract. Right, that's what I mean. Right, exactly. Yeah, so and, I'm a pass on Gallinari as well. So that's really all. Unless you want to consider Nerlens Noel somebody who could garner the max, I don't think that there's any chance no. that Danny and, would give him the max deal for even one year. And he'd be on the Celtics right now. I don't think he's a fit. I don't think that they were interested in him because they could have had him a million times over. And exactly. Weren't interested. So I. I, I find it hard to believe there's any interest there. One interesting person, and I just saw this the other day, mm-hmm. um, Okafor, Mecca Okafor, making a return or trying to make a return, NBA return. What do you think he could? What? What? Um, first of all, who knows if he can even play? But let's say he could, you know, come somewhat close to a, you know, a double double. What? What? What could that guy command? What do you think on a on a well, deal? Okay, so Okafor, how old is Okafor? Disclosure. Full disclosure, full disclosure, I have permanent blue and white tinted lenses welded onto my eyeballs. I'm a UConn fan. <laughs> yeah. I was a UConn fan almost as long as I've been a Celtics fan, and they were really my first serious basketball fandom. So take everything I say with a grain of salt. I like to think that I account for that bias pretty robustly, but who who's going to be a better judge of that, y'all or me? I think y'all. So that said, Emeka Okafor is not going to turn the Celtics franchise around in terms of anything that he does well, which is block shots and rebound. However, he can block shots and he can rebound when he's healthy and has been playing. Mm-hmm. He has not been healthy and he has not been playing. We have seen what has happened to players much younger than him and Larry Sanders coming back and falling flat. Right. But, I, but Larry Sanders coming back mid-year, which we had already discussed, was a bad idea. I mean, this exactly. guy. I mean, Mecca has plenty of time to work himself back into shape here. And he has been, from all reports, he's been working out for longer than the end of last season to get back into game shape. And reportedly, his old coach Jim Calhoun, who's now retired from UConn has said that money is not an object for him. He wants to compete. He wants mm-hmm. to be in the running for a ring. So I think that if Okafor is serious, then realistically there's only a handful of teams. Basically, the four the four final teams who are left in the playoffs plus Houston who would be in the running for him. And I, I think a, that a Utah if they kept Hayward. If they kept Hayward, possibly. Yeah. Though I'm, I'm not convinced that he would be convinced. No, no, I'm, I'm, yeah, right. You're right. They're contending anytime soon. I think that, I think that realistically, the Spurs, Cavs, Warriors, Celtics, and Rockets are the only team next year that are going to be competing. I think that sounds about right. So, I don't think. I think really, just roster space is is the main concern. And for at least one season, he'll probably take whatever people can make available for him in whatever situation he thinks is the best fit. That said, we don't really have any strong connections to him other than, you know, he went to college in New England. But hopefully that is worth more than no connection whatsoever with the Warriors or Cavaliers. I, I don't recall any of the players he played on in the incarnation of Charlotte. One potential left field option, though, is the Warriors. Or, excuse me, not the Warriors, but the Wizards. Mm-hmm. That was his last team before he went out. Right, right, um, right. That's he played right. a full season. 20, he 20, ended up going to the Suns and got hurt, but the Wizards were the last, the last team he was with for a while, so I could see that, you know, they really need some help in their front court. So, that's that's another possibility, but it's intriguing to me. I I, I was uh, you know I, I was pretty shocked when I saw that, and I I didn't realize it had been that long that it, since he's played. It's been four years, so yeah, um, pretty wild. Temporary but, expectations. Hey, sign him up. Vet him a min. Let's go. 
I mean, I would be up for as much as the mid-level exception for him too. I think. Yeah, I mean, if he can play, and obviously, exactly. yeah, I, I, I agree with you, thousand percent. But there's probably some other options out there in terms of big men who might be a better fit and might be available. Though it's hard to say because we'd have to we'd have to poach the one I'm thinking of from a team that is, you know, at least and probably more competitive than Boston next year. If we can judge by what we saw this year, and that would be Pau Gasol. Mm-hmm. He's older than dirt. You know, he's going to be 38 years old. <laughs> you know, me being 41, that makes me older than dirt's dirt or something. But in terms of basketball players with the skills that he has in terms of shooting and basketball IQ, knowing where to be, he's still got some gas left in the tank. I think that he could be one of those guys who comes in to fill the gap if we don't strike it big in free agency or decide we don't want to sign someone Blake Griffin or Gordon Hayward, which is a weird proposition to me, but I don't know the mind of Danny Age in terms of what his long-term plans are. Right. He's somebody who could help us feel the competitive club and fill some holes that we have in terms of rebounding, shooting, scoring. What are your thoughts on Gasol? Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's, it's, it's hard to say. You, you, like you said, we have to see how these bigger pieces fall first. Obviously, if we got a Hayward or, or maybe even a Griffin, other players like a Gasol might be more interested in signing a, a you know, one year deal or something in Boston. But I, I think a lot of that, you know, I, I don't think that Ainge is going to be looking to add those kind of veteran guys unless, you know, it looks like we've taken a, a bigger, a big step forward. So here's a left field idea that has kind of been circulating amongst teams that might be able to take this player into a trade to help another team with some cap relief. Now for this to happen, it would have to involve medical clearance, probably some pretty rigorous medical clearance based on the amount of money that's involved and the potential risk involved because, and it'll probably tip you off who I'm talking about if I haven't already done so. The man is getting part of a cadaver inserted into his knee to hopefully continue his career, which is looking done if this doesn't work. You know what I'm talking about? My favorite name in the NBA, Festus. For the rest of us. Yes. Yeah, man, that's wild. The the cadaver thing is just, that's (laughs) No, 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 no. No. Yuck. But hey, that is is some wild stuff. And... So, and like, he's already, he's under contract for two years at 15 million, I think. No, no, I think he's only, actually, is that well, maybe year? one year remaining? Yep. $16 million. Two years, mm-hmm. 8 million left. We'd have to come onto our books in a trade. We could probably package some of our younger guys to give them something of value back. They said they're willing to give up a first round pick out of the couple that they have. Do you think there is, assuming he's medically cleared, obviously, that that would be a risk worth taking? Assuming there would be space also, obviously. Yeah. I mean, and, and whose need is he getting? Is it Wilt Chamberlain's knee? I mean, honestly, though, uh, he's a, he's a pretty solid piece, um, for, for that price. I think it's certainly fittable depending on, obviously, it depends a lot on what happens, but. I said that like a broken record tonight, but uh, well, I mean, what else can we say? Really, there's so many different. Yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to say with the smaller guys like this. What, and I say smaller in contract alone. Uh, the, you know, how it's all going to shake out. But I mean, he certainly could be a, um, a a good addition for sure. What about three point specialist from Utah, Joe Ingles? I imagine there's a pretty good chance that he's going to be earning somewhere in the neighborhood of 10 to 15 million a year based on his skill. Any interest? Mm, I'm, it's a little much to, to me. I mean, I, I think there's, I, I'd rather take a chance and roll the dice on one of the younger guys than, than have him take a spot of, I'd rather have a James Young and, and see what he can do rather than go with, I think Ingles is what, 30? 29, something like that. Yeah, going on 30, yeah. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd rather take a shot with one of our younger guys that we have under contract than have him take a roster spot. Got any real estate on Waiters Island? What's that? 
Got any real estate on Waiters Island? Ah, he's going to be too much. I, I think he's a good guy. I, I think he's best suited to either, you know, stay in Miami or go to a younger team that he can, um, they can, you know, use him as a building piece. Cause I, I think he's really, he had his coming out party this year. Agreed. I see, I see him as a prime candidate for a contract for a team like the Nets. The 76ers. Yeah, Philly, I think, would be a great fit um, if they don't take Monk uh, in the draft. He he would, you know. Even he could if be they do. Hmm? Even if they do. Uh, he's going to be, think, like, pretty yeah, unpopular. I guess he could still start waiters. It depends on what that contract looks like, too. Yep. So that is all the people I can think of. You got anybody else on your radar that you might that's think? Pretty good list. Be? I mean, that's. I think that's, uh, you know. Some, those are those are all at least some potential, definitely some potential in all those additions. Well, that brings us to some of the other issues of note, namely the NBA draft. Some news out there that the Lakers might pass on LeVar Ball. Excuse me. Well, they will be passing on LeVar Ball. Lonzo Ball. Yeah, so uh, reports coming out from uh, Bleacher Report, Sports Illustrated, that the Lakers are not not leaning if if the draft was tonight it wouldn't be they would not select Lonzo Ball and they haven't even worked the guy out yet so I, I don't know how much weight that really that's, holds that's strong of a, of a yeah I, I, but I don't I don't know how much weight that holds and without having worked out any of these guys they're talking about some other options they could take um De'Aaron Fox who's been gaining a lot of momentum lately um Josh Jackson who might be the second best all-around player in the draft after Fultz. I mean, there's so many options. There's so many things they could do. Uh, I, obviously, the LeVar Ball circus is probably somewhat of a deterrent, but I don't... If if Magic Johnson thinks that Lonzo's the second-best player in the draft, he's going to take him. Or the best. If he, th- yeah, he might think he's the best player, but I'm saying if he thinks he's the best player available at number two, he's going to take him. So- Regardless of uh, even with D'Angelo Russell, I don't think that Magic has any ties to him and wouldn't be opposed to dealing him. What do you think? Well, I think that Russell could work next to him in terms of... He's more of a scorer, so... I, yeah, yeah, in terms of... Sure. As a number... As a, as a two, I think he could fit, but honestly, I think that we might be hearing the voice of reason coming down from either Genie Bus or Rob Palinka, because I'll be completely honest... If I'm trying to assess Lonzo apart from the LeVar drama and apart from the Lakers, I want to be a Laker narrative out there, it seems to me that his shot has got some issues with it in terms of its form. And I'm not entirely confident he's going to be a capable scorer. I think he's going to be all right as a passer. He's got great court vision. It's one of the main things that have people interested in him. Mm -hmm. I think the comparisons to Jason Kidd are very premature. Yeah, I I mean, it's uh, I, I agree. In terms of... Other players being on a team's radar, we've also got Boston working out some other players. Jonathan Isaac, Dennis Smith, either have or will be soon working out for Boston. What do you think is going on with that? Well, I, well I've will i seen a couple people talk about this, and I think that this is a possibility. I think Isaac and Smith are guys that, you know, they're going to be – they wouldn't be a number one overall selection. But should the Celtics either trade the pick and move down for multiple picks, or maybe they're looking to move up in the draft by dealing, uh, say, uh, Avery Bradley, a Marcus Smart, Rogier, or some combination. Um, there's certainly some teams that are picking in the later parts of the top 10. I know Minnesota's picking at seven might be, uh, Avery Bradley might be a good fit over there. Uh, you know, for, for, that's, you could potentially land an Isaac or a Smith at number seven. Yeah. And you could also see the, the attraction for Tom Thibodeau with some history with Avery Bradley. Right. Albeit kind of an old, old history, but you know, there's still a connection there. So he may have been following him. I'm not sure though that Avery Bradley can land you the number seven pick, not with the one year on his contract. 
by himself, yeah. No, no I mean, and, but I mean, even a combination of him and Rogier, him and I think there'd have to be some other stuff involved. But. There is the possibility, and this is going to be something that we'll probably be talking about increasingly much. Under the new CBA, you can include terms that require an extension to be signed. Oh, right. Yeah, so that that could turn out to be a very useful tool in completing some deals if Boston chooses to make some. But probably, like every other sports podcaster talking about the Boston Celtics and the number one draft pick, I think maybe we should just relax with the predictions about trading <laughs> down, <laughs> out, et cetera. Yeah. I mean, like, I I've think done that's my crazy talk. Yeah. I mean, I've done my due diligence in terms of trying to, you know, cover every possible base, but I think we finally all started to hit the wall in terms of this is just not a good idea. Mm-hmm. Bar, barring a ridiculous return, so yeah, I think I'm going to swear off any any more diving into that in the future. Yeah, I've honestly come to the point that I would be very disappointed if we traded Fultz for anything, uh, not anything, but anything not named Davis or Carl Anthony Towns. Pretty much. <laughs> so. Maybe a Russell Westbrook or something like that. Sure. Okay. Yeah. You want to give me him? That's cool. Yep. But, <laughs> but right. Like caliber. Like if you're not a top five player, I don't want yeah, to. Yeah, I'm, I'm good. Because I, no. I, I mean, just he, the kid looks pretty dynamic. So I'm, I'm ready to roll with it. He's saying all the right things. He yep. came to Boston for an extended workout. He, he's bulked up considerably. I, I just. The more and more I dive into it, the more and more data yep. I get, the more and more yep. that I am. Yep. I uh, couldn't agree more. And, you know, speaking of that, you had a piece earlier this week talking about uh, Mannix basically dismantling Colin Cowherd on that very topic. Yeah. Well, Colin Cowherd, and I've said this many times, is a fool. But he was talking about trading the pick for a star. Now, let what now the stars that he he's talking about a Jimmy Butler a Paul George you, and just like we said you're not trading Markel Fultz for for those guys I would even Jimmy Butler he was talking about he was talking about ridiculous things about um, the owners would like to get to the finals they don't care about winning the finals they just they want to get there to get those couple extra games and this extra money. It's, just it's not like the owners are on record saying exactly the opposite. It's oh, just banana land. I can't stand people that talk about things and have no idea. Like he's clearly never heard Whit with Grossbeck talk about the the you know what he wants. So don't speak for him. You know what I mean? Just just crazy. But anyways, but he's an idiot. I'm not a fan. I don't know. There's not really too much more to cover in terms of that. Some other minor storylines that have come up in relation to that. We have, you know, my ear is always tuned to what's going on with the University of Connecticut. And the University of Connecticut recently hired a new associate head coach, Raphael Chilius. I think that's how you say his last name. I haven't actually heard it pronounced out loud, so don't kill <laughs> me if that's incorrect. Now, this is a man who worked with Markel Fultz and Isaiah Thomas at the University of Washington. Before the, let's just say, underwhelming, I don't even think they hit double-digit wins last season at Washington because the team was just so unbalanced. They had, had a bunch of people who really had no business being in the front court playing front court positions, and they were just an all-around terrible team. And you could, if you were a small person, pin some of that blame on your messiah of a recruit not coming through for you in the form of Markel Fultz. But Raphael Chilius thinks Fultz is a fantastic fit with Isaiah Thomas. If the guy lost his job because you didn't take your team to the collegiate postseason, sings your praises, I don't think there's any reason to be worried. <laughs> right. <laughs> in terms of other small news, uh, Banner number one was won 60 years ago this week. I saw that post. Yep. Very nice. I was quite impressed that of all the teams with significant 
as in like double digit finals appearances, the Boston Celtics have by far and away the best record, uh, 8-5-1 overall. Uh, you could see, you could probably fairly lump the Bulls in there because they have, you know, a perfect 6-0 and record, but we know why that is. Yeah. And what else is going on in the Celtics NBA media sphere? Big Baby and the Rivers had some more drama, which I think you were writing on, right? Yeah. So, um, Davis, so Austin Rivers went on, which show was it? It was a uh, Undisputed or one of those, I think it was Skip Bayless's show. Uh, and, uh, they asked him about the comments that Baby made about his dad. And then he was talking, I, I don't even remember exactly what Rivers said, but he made some comments about Davis. And then Davis went on this Austin, epic just, rant. Just yeah. This epic, epic rant. Uh, on, uh, Instagram talking about Austin Rivers and his tight pants that his dad got him from this contract. It was glorious. It but, was pretty uh, funny. Definitely yeah, check it out. D- definitely. Yeah. Some, some, certainly there's that beef is not going to be going away anytime soon. It's looking increasingly like it's going to be a bunch of old guys yelling at yeah. each other. Nobody thinks that Big Baby has much of a future in the NBA, and unless the Clippers re-sign a bunch of people who are not necessarily locks, I think that Rivers may find himself on the hunt for yet another position to not have to go through a rebuild. Yep. What else can we dredge up from basketball landia? There's not too much going on. Al's birthday was this week. Al Horford, happy birthday. Happy birthday, Al. Well, we've got the NBA Finals going on, but they're really not oh much going God, on. Oh, my God, I completely forgot about those. Not really. <laughs> kind of. Not much I'm, going on there. I've not been watching whole games. I've just been watching parts. I watched the first half um, of the last game. The second, last game, I, yeah, started. the first half was great, though. And then – I was so uh, close. I was so hopeful. Oh, uh, man, what a disaster. I, I, yeah, I really hope we can make a series out of it, though, because I, I really hope we haven't seen the last of meaningful basketball of the year. I, I'm really hoping that they can get back into it, but, geez, that looks like a... Because if they can't win at home, then... Yeah, that looks like quite a mountain to climb, though. That Golden State looks so good. Oh. Yeah, I mean, we could we could go through a recap of these games. I don't think anyone really cares too much other yeah. than... I, I will admit I, I enjoyed a little Schadenfreude at LeBron's expense in in the presser after after the game. Didn't want to talk to anybody after being down two games to nothing. Sucks, huh? Yep. Well, other than that, we've got game three and game four in Cleveland on Wednesday and Friday. I think they're at nine o'clock Eastern Standard Time for anybody who's interested. You got any predictions? I mean, I think Cleveland wins a game. I don't think they're going to get swept, but I, but uh, honestly, it could go either way. <laughs> I think they're getting swept. You I think hope they're so? swept. I, I, yeah, I just want this season to be over. Okay, fair enough. The draft doesn't come any sooner, you know, Justin. Fine, fine. <laughs> we can have the games then. <laughs> oh man. So, but yeah, that's I. That's that's pretty much. It's it's going to be a tough, 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 tough for Cleveland to get back in this series for sure. Well, you got anything you're working on? Want to talk about? Uh, I do not know, but um, uh, with Fultz coming to town tomorrow, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of interesting stuff to talk about, or probably today if you, people are listening. We're recording this on a Monday, but yeah. you guys will see it on a Tuesday. Um, Eddie, you got anything else? Well. Like you, I'll be working on that kind of stuff. Might do some stuff about Celtics history. It's the off season. We'll have some more time. For sure. And besides that, you cannot get tickets to the next game under that heading at the Celtics Life site. But you can get a wide variety of shirts nobody else has and hoodies under that uh, under that heading in the store besides that you can find the pod on blog talk radio itunes stitcher and most podcatcher apps please subscribe so you can hear us ramble about wanting more basketball 
this summer, and occasionally some exciting stuff like what happened in the draft and what's going on in summer league, all that good stuff. Please rate us five stars if you're going to rate us anything. If you're not going to rate us five stars, just tell us what we need to do to earn those five stars from you. You can do that with a comment on a Celtics Life article on Twitter with the hashtag Celtics Life Pod. Excuse me, CL Pod. Gotta get used to that. We shortened it to try to make it a little easier on you. You know, we're trying to bring you the coverage you want the way you like it. And with a lot more free time to be covering it, we should be able to get it razor sharp with your input. So let us know. That's all I got. Take care, guys. Take care.